Good morning, I'm Josh Oster, and we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 25. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to the people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be to you, unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp? How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking to the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then, I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so that they will fall down, worshipping God, exclaiming, God is really among you. G'day church, my name is Scott. Great to be with you this morning. I wanted to start today by asking a question. Why do church? Is it because we have some kind of nagging suspicion that God is important? Or maybe we just like the people there, so we go all the time. Maybe it's just an excuse to get out of the house every week. But why do we do church? Because it's not really the done thing anymore. We live in a world that considers church as outdated. It's a relic of the past, so why keep a dying institution alive? 
Or even if we don't quite think it's outdated, there's a perception that church is boring. I mean, how many times when you watch The Simpsons do you see Homer falling asleep in, in the middle of church? You may have been coming to church for a while, but you still ask this question to yourself, why do we do church? Because, you know, we run around all week between school and work, and then on Saturdays we run around to our sports, and on Sundays, wouldn't it just be easier, nicer to have a day to ourselves? Right now, we've been forced to do church online, which has been okay for a while, but hopefully soon we'll be able to get back together again. And, but did you know it's going to be in the middle of winter when that happens? Wouldn't it be nicer just to stay at home in the warmth and comfort of your own living room? So why do church? Uh, for a while now, uh, we've been walking through 1 Corinthians on our Sunday mornings. It's a letter written to an ancient church in the city of Corinth, written sometime in about the first century. But it's also God's word to his people. It's God's word to us even today. And today, God kind of answers that question. He tells us why we do church. He doesn't give us a full answer. But today we hear from God, and he's going to tell us part of the reason why we want to do church. So let's dig into it. Now, actually, though, before we really look into the passage, there are three questions we need to ask. And the first is this. What is speaking in tongues? It's been mentioned a lot in the last few weeks, and you would have seen it again today in our passage. Uh, but speaking in tongues is a gift that God has given some people, and it seems that they're able to speak in another language. It's not that they've learnt this language. They don't know uh, the language, and they, they often don't understand what they're saying at the time they're speaking it. And alongside this gift of speaking in tongues is also the gift of interpretation. And this person, again, is not a language expert. They don't know lots of different languages. But God has enabled them in that moment to understand what's being said in the tongue. And then they're able to tell everyone else the meaning of the word. That's speaking in tongues. But there's a second question we want to ask as well. What is prophecy? Again, prophecy has been mentioned a lot in the last few weeks, and it's mentioned a lot in our passage again today. And it's also a gift that God gives his people. And it seems that if God gives someone the gift of prophecy, he gives them a sense of understanding. that They seem to have particular insight into the life of someone or a group of people. And they can bring the word of God to bear into the situation of that person or that group of people. To bring strengthening and encouragement, to bring comfort or whatever is needed. This kind of prophecy, though, it's not infallible. It needs to be carefully weighed. I think we actually see this kind of prophecy quite often. It can happen uh, on Sunday in the sermon when we get that sense that God is talking directly to us through what's being said. But it also happens in our community groups each week as we help each other understand the word of God and what it means for our lives. And it can happen in those conversations we have after church as well or through Zoom morning tea. where we're talking about life and the things that are happening for us in life and someone just draws a connection between my situation and what the Bible says and where my life is at. And then they show me what God wants me to do or say or how he wants me to change. Or, In fact, I think we saw this thing a couple of weeks ago. We've been loving having the videos from different church members play. And a couple of weeks ago, we watched a video. It was different people were talking and they were answering this question for us. What do you think God wants us to learn through this time? And they were bringing the word of God to bear directly into our situation here in Trinity Church Mowbray in Adelaide. And God has gifted some people uniquely to be good at doing this. And that's what the gift of prophecy is about. So it's tongues and prophecy, but here's the third question to ask. 
So what? <laughs> Who cares? What does this matter anyway? Well, partly I want to say this matters because God is still at work today. He can still give us these gifts. And if he does, we want to know how to use them properly. And this passage tells us what to do with them. But we also shouldn't lose sight of that fact that God is still at work today. See, Christianity isn't a dull, boring book of rules. We're convinced that God is real, that he's active in our world, and that there's nothing more important than knowing this God. So let me ask you, friends, do you know him? But also, this matters to us because for the Corinthians, Speaking in tongues was a big issue, and that may not be where we're at today, but we still hear, in this passage, we still hear the voice of God to us, and he has plenty, of, plenty, of, plenty to say to us. So, so let's, let's keep going, let's dig in, and the first point for today is this, we use our gifts to build up the church community. As we read through the passage before, you probably got a sense that prophecy is better than tongues. You can see it really clearly in verse 5, verse 5. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather have you prophesy. So the question is why? What's the reason? Is this just a preference? Well, no, it's actually about what's good for the church. What strengthens the church? So look at verse two with me. Verse two. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. You see, their prophecy is better because it strengthens the church. The problem with tongues is that no one understands what you're saying. You see that again in verse 9. Verse 9, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You'll just be speaking to the air. And it's not that speaking in tongues is bad. It's, it's not at all. It's a gift from God. But really, this isn't a question of what is good and bad. It's a question of what strengthens, what edifies, what's good for the church and builds it up. And prophecy does this, not tongues. Unless, of course, tongues is interpreted. So prophecy is better. That's what the ancient Corinthian church really needed to hear as well. Because they loved appearances and they loved being seen to be super spiritual and this gift of tongues made them appear to be super spiritual. And our situation may be very different to that, but the point still rings true for us too. So friends, let me ask, what do we value? What are we going to pursue? Why do we do church? It's to build one another up. It's to edify one another, to strengthen one another so that we stick at following Jesus together. Uh, you can probably tell from my very chiseled physique that I'm a gym junkie. Uh, no, not really. Uh, truth be told, I tried lifting weights for a couple of weeks at one point in my life with a friend, but I got so bored after two days, I never went back again. Um, but as I understand it, there you can go to the gym and you can go to get really strong and build up your core and everything like that, build up all the muscles I've got no idea about. Or you can go to get show muscles. Show muscles are the kind of muscles that might look great, but they aren't really that useful at all, actually. And that's the kind of distinction that this passage is making for us here. Sure, some gifts may look fantastic, and you might have the appearance of being super spiritual with them, but if it doesn't build up the church, if it's not about strengthening 
and helping others, well, it's missing the point. You know, we've got a great model of this. Jesus. When he lived on earth, Jesus did some pretty spectacular things. Walked on water, healed people just by touching them. He calmed raging storms. He turned water into wine. Uh, but that's not really what he came to do. At one point in his life, Jesus clearly stated his purpose. He said, for even the Son of Man, and that's Jesus' way of talking about himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He was able to do the spectacular, but Jesus said, no, I'm here to serve. I'm here to do what's good for my people. And so he does. He goes to the cross and he gives his life to bring true life to anyone who trusts him. He did whatever it would take to build up his church. In Jesus, we have the ultimate model of this. So let's think for a moment. What would it look like for you to use your gifts in a way that builds up the church community? Maybe it means that you feel gifted in one way, but for whatever reason, expressing that gift won't build up the church. So you spend your time and your energy doing something else in an area where there is need, because that will build up the church. Well, let's think a little bit more specific again. Let's be more specific. Maybe, for example, you love praying, and so you've started to lead prayers up the front. And truth be told, you could pray for ages and ages, but you decide not to. Because most people can't follow along a prayer that goes for 20 minutes. So you decide instead that you're going to try and keep it to four or five minutes max. Maybe you feel like a shy person. You're loving the idea of online church because you get to stay at home. And the idea of coming back is maybe a little bit scary. And really, after church, you'd you'd like to just kind of leave as soon as church finishes. But you realize that even your presence is a gift. It's a way to encourage and, and strengthen other people. So you try, you decide to try and have one substantial conversation before you leave each week. And hey, maybe some weeks you don't succeed, but but each week you're praying that God would use you. Or maybe you've got a sense that God has given you the gift of knowledge where you just understand things so much quicker and more deeply than others seem to. But you're careful not to use this gift to show others how much you know because that never really helps anything. But you're looking looking out for ways that you can use your knowledge to build others up. And we could go on and on and on with examples here, but... Whatever it is, the thing we're never going to say is that it doesn't matter. I don't care what effect I have on others. This is my way of serving and I'm going to do it. We never say that, friends. But what is it for you? What would it look like for you to use your gifts in a way that builds up the church community? I heard the most beautiful story. Uh, This was from another church I've been part of in the past. There was a woman in this church Uh, And she loved teaching kids' church, and she did it year after year after year. A a wonderful service to many kids, to many families. But there came a point in her life, age had caught up with her, she was now an old lady. And those around her realised she really just wasn't up to doing kids' church anymore. And so one day the pastor goes to her, and he's a bit nervous, but he says, Look, you've done a fantastic job with our kids, thank you so much. This isn't the place for you to serve anymore. It's just not the right fit. And this woman didn't get angry. She didn't make a fuss. As sad as it was for her, she said said to him, Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for telling me. I'll miss the kids. But I know what I can be doing now. And she spent the remaining years of her life praying. Constantly. Regularly. 
praying for the church, praying for the kids that she had taught, praying for the families, praying for the church and its outreach because she got it. If she wasn't the right person for kids' church, it just meant that God had given her another role to play. God had gifted her with time and an able mind, so she used those gifts to constantly pray for her church. And so her church was built up and strengthened by her. What would it look like for you to use your gifts in a way that builds up the church? Here's the second thing we see today. We use our gifts to help inquirers. We see this towards the end of our passage. Let me read from verse 23. Verse 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they'll fall down worshipping God, exclaiming, God is really among you. You see, again, it's a case of prophecy is better than speaking in tongues. But here, did you notice that the reason is different? It's not about building up the church here. It's actually about using our gifts in a way that helps the inquirer, that doesn't turn them off and turn them away. And again, for us, the issue may not be about tongues and prophecy, but you can see the principle that we draw from this, can't you? In the way we use our gifts, we want to do everything to help and not hinder any inquirer amongst us. Uh, the, just the other day, I walked into a bank. I rarely ever go into a bank before, but I had to show them a few documents. So I went in and I kid you not, it took me 15 minutes of standing in a line before I was actually able to talk to anyone in the bank. And by that point, the lineup was just about out the back door. And I'm sure we've all got stories like this, you know, of waiting in lineups where being on hold for over an hour when you try and call Centrelink. But, but it struck me as I'm standing there in the line, this place really wasn't set up for me. It's not here for me to make an inquiry really at all, is it? And as a church, we don't want to be anything like that. We want to do everything so we can help inquirers. We want to do everything so that, that anyone who comes in is pointed lovingly to Jesus. And again, we've got a great model in this. Our model is God, because that's God's heart for the world. It's like what that famous Bible verse says. What's God's heart? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you're with us today, and this is you. Uh, you're not really sure about the whole Jesus thing, but you're here today, and you're kind of checking things out about Jesus. We just want to be a church that's accessible for you. We really do. Look, we don't always get it right, but we want to make every effort because we're convinced that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth us going the extra mile. And Jesus is worth you checking him out. See, no one makes the kind of claims that Jesus does. No one promises as much as he does. And we're convinced that no one makes as much sense of all this as Jesus does. So why don't you check him out? Why don't you? There's a series of booklets we love in our church. They're called Word One-to-One. -one. They're designed for you to sit down with someone and together there you just walk through the biographies, one of the biographies of Jesus' life. You can ask your questions and you can see what Jesus has to say for himself. Would you be willing to give that a crack? Maybe even just do the first session 
And, and then you can decide if you want to keep going or if you want to stop. Well, what have you got to lose? In a moment, Stephen is going to tell us about an online communication card. Just fill one of those out, make a little note that you're keen to do word one-to-one, and we'll help make that happen. Because there's nothing greater than knowing Jesus. And so we as a church want to use any gift we've been given to make every effort to help you do that. Well, friends, let me wrap things up. There's still more to come in chapter 14, and Stephen's going to take us through that last part next week. But we've seen today a part of the reason why we do church. We do this to build one another up. We do this to help any inquirers who are amongst us. And so knowing that God has given us all gifts, like we heard in chapter, chapter 12, and knowing that love is the thing we all want to grow in, like we heard in chapter 13, here's the question for today. How are you going to use your God-given gifts? As we get closer and closer to regathering as a church, as we get closer and closer to starting a new church plant, how are you going to use your God-given gifts? Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Our great God and good Father, we praise you that you've given us good gifts. We thank you for the love that you've shown us. Out of love, Father, please show us how we can use our gifts to build one another up and to help those who are inquiring about Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.